Welcome, everybody, to this April installment of Strike Out the Stigma. This is an uh, interactive experience, as we've been mentioning, and in conjunction with uh, Minding Your Mind, as we present a community outreach initiative focused on bringing important conversations to the forefront about the value of uh, healthy life uh, habits. Uh, just briefly, this whole series was started because if an athlete is injured physically, you will see... Uh, some sign of that, whether it be a brace or, uh, you know, a cast or, or some sort of uh, medical device that, that shows you and the, the athlete knows that everybody sees him and, and he's injured. Uh, uh, obviously, in life, there are also uh, athletes and, and, and all of us who are, inhabit the same human race have the same characteristics of mental health challenges. And that's not so apparent. Uh, and we want to make sure that, that we, it's called strike out the stigma for a reason. We want to address that because there are a lot of folks who, who share. Uh, if you don't do, have it personally, it might be a member of your family or, or someone you know, a, a close friend who is, is battling a mental health challenge. And we want to bring this conversation to the forefront, and that's why we are uh, doing this series. Our topic of conversation uh, this month is the importance of mental health for college students. And if I didn't mention it earlier, we have partnered with the good folks at Minding Your Mind, uh, who uh, are just wonderful folks who have been through some experiences that they are more than willing to share uh, to help others in this conversation that we are so, um, we think is so important to have. This is a safe space. You should know that. Uh, we engage this panel with a lot of uh, questions. We'll have conversations back and forth. But again, uh, if you want to ask a question, please let us know, and we really do encourage that. Tonight we'll be recording this discussion, and we'll uh, distribute it on our various uh, media outlets, uh, I guess uh, Facebook and uh, Phillies Podcasts and phillies.com, so it'll be shown all across uh, the Delaware Valley. Today we're lucky to have this incredible panel uh, to be with us, and uh, it's my pleasure now to uh, first introduce my co-host. I'm so happy he's sharing the responsibility of, of uh, hosting these uh, conversations. Dr. George James is his name. Dr. James has previously been a panelist for our Strike Out the Stigma events, but has jumped on board as a co-host for all six of our events this year. Dr. James, it is a pleasure to have you here. Can you share a little bit about uh, your experience uh, in this field and, and why, why uh, you, know, you feel it's so important to have this discussion? First of all, I'm just excited to be here. Thanks, Scott. Thanks, TJ and uh, the Phillies for the opportunity. I feel like I got called up. I feel like I'm in the majors now. I feel like <laughs> I, I, I feel really good about where I am right now. So I'm excited about this. Uh, just to just give a little bit more information. Uh, as mentioned, my name is Dr. George James. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. I've been doing this work for over 20 plus years, helping individuals, couples, families, and athletes over these years. And it's been just my pleasure to intersect mental health and athletics and some of the work that I do I get to put in uh, the podcast that I host which is called Leapcast where I talk to leaders entertainers athletes and performers and my goal is that everybody should think about their mental health and mental wellness especially those in athletics and sports mm -hmm. thank you dr. James uh, I mentioned mind of your mind and our representative from mind of your mind tonight is a bright young woman Kristen Heratunian uh, Kristen you've been with mind of your mind for a little while now if you would please share with us your role with that organization yeah sure um, it's such uh, an honor to be able to be a part of this and like to speak to speak amongst this panel and with these with these folks um, 
My name is Kristen Heratunian. I've been with Minding Your Mind for going on six years. So I'm 25, so you can do the math. I've been doing this since I've been 18. And I have had the privilege to work alongside Minding Your Mind. Really, our goal is to reduce the stigma associated around mental health. And, you know, I'm that person that comes in and they say, you have a guest speaker, third period. And like, I'm that kid. Um, that person that speaks to those kids and uh, sharing my personal story in a very candid, open, honest way while also sharing with them that help is available and what help looks like in real life. Thank you. Our, our next uh, panelist is a great friend of the Phillies organization. He is the head coach of the LaSalle University basketball team. Coach Fran Dunphy, and uh, Fran, it is a pleasure to have you with us tonight and bringing your experience uh, since the topic, obviously, is, is talking about college and then the, and the pressures involved with not only the college students, but their parents, which we'll talk about. Can you give everybody a little bit of your background, Fran? Yes, you need that. <laughs> well, it's good to be here. Uh, thanks to TJ and Kathy and all the Phillies folks, Scott. Uh, happy to be here. It's it's uh, it's an honor to be asked to be on this this panel. So uh, for me, I've coached a lot of years. I've been doing this. This is my this uh, next year will be my 32nd year of college coaching, with a number of years in high school before that. Uh, and I, I'm so appreciative of just the name of of uh, minding your mind and also striking out the stigma because when I was a kid there was stigma attached to saying that you needed a little bit of help from somebody else. Now, there is much, is it gone? No, it's still there, and we're still fighting it. However, it's so much better than it ever was before, and we hope that we're making steady progress uh, as much as we can. But you get young men, especially in my case, uh, coaching them every day, and you can see them every day. You can see that there's something going on that's not quite right. I mentioned it to a young man today, we're recruiting, and I said to him, uh, being a teammate is maybe as important a job as you're ever going to have in your lifetime. Uh, it's so cool to be on a team, to be all working toward the same cause. Uh, but you can see when guys need some help. If after practice, somebody's sitting down the end of a bench, uh, and they, they are there uh, when everybody else is either shooting shots or, or going into the locker room, they're there because... They don't want to be by themselves. They want somebody to come there and put their arm around them. And I, I always use this example of, could I go down there and put my arm around one of my guys and say, okay, I know this is a plot that you have to, to destroy me. And guess what? You're succeeding. But the reality is we need you. We need you. We need your presence. And you need to be here as much as you can be, uh, mind and body. And you're, you're doing great. You're having a tough day, but we're going to do better tomorrow. Now, can I do that? Yeah, I can. But what I, when teams really get good, then the leadership within that team is going down there and saying, hey, coach is on you a little bit because we need you to get that rebound. We need your best effort. And that's the way we're going to be successful. And when that leadership comes from within the group, and you can, you can tell it, of all the teams that are out there, the leadership takes over. Now, not from the coach. Are we supposed to be leaders? Yeah, we are. But when it comes from within the group, that's when that's really when success hits. So I'm grateful for that. Grateful to be doing what I'm doing at LaSalle. Uh, we have three of our uh, counseling office folks here today because I wanted them to be a part of it. I want them to critique me if hopefully I do a good job on this situation. But they're great. We send our guys there, and and it's it's a real positive experience. And I want them all to be thinking that way. 
See, that's why we have a coach on staff. You got us all fired up already. I'm ready. That's to go. right. Put me in, coach. <laughs> coach Dunphy, you bring great value to this conversation, and we're so pleased that you joined us here tonight. Thank you. Uh, and, and also uh, an opportunity to say hello uh, to another valued member of our Phillies organization, the vice president of security and operations, Sal DeAngelis. Uh, Sal had not only serves in that role, but also has a history of uh, teaching uh, at the college level, and, and that's a, a big reason why you're here tonight, Sal. You bring another great voice. Um, how, how important is your role? How important was your role? And could you s- spot students who were having difficulty back uh, when you were uh, an instructor at the college level? Sure. So thank you very much, Scott. Thanks to the panel. Thank you, TJ, uh, for everything. I'm Sal DeAngelis, Vice President of Operations and Security for the Phillies. I've, uh, I'm starting my 30th season with the Phillies, I've been fortunate enough to plan and execute all of the largest events that Citizens Bank Park has ever hosted. Uh, it's a fast-paced, high-energy uh, department that I work in. But yes, in my previous life, uh, for 17 years, I taught at three different universities uh, in the area. I taught at Holy Family College, undergrad. I taught at Drexel Grad School, and I taught at Temple University undergrad as well. So I, I've taught probably close to hundreds of students uh, over the years. Some of those who now work at the Phillies or even in my department, uh, and, and I've, I've been fortunate enough to meet these young adults over the years. But my job, even though I was a teacher at one point and now I'm, you know, I'm, I'm heading a department in the business world, it, it really doesn't change. Uh, I, see st- I saw students that may have been struggling and offering a helping hand or advice, or sometimes they didn't want it and I would just leave them alone and circle back with them. But I see that now also in my business life uh, where I may see employees uh, either in my department or in another department and I just want to make sure that I'm there to offer help and realize that they're not the first person that's gone through whatever they're going through. With 30 years experience with the Phillies, I've seen a lot. I've, I've seen the ups, I've seen the downs, I've seen the in-betweens and and it's, uh, it can be uh, nerve-wracking sometimes uh, with some of the things that we deal with. Um, so I try to be there as much as possible, especially not only just for our, for our young adults that work here too, but to lend an ear for somebody who might also be struggling, who, who has been here a while as well. Thanks, Sal. We're going to be discussing with, uh, with this great panel uh, the issues of the sensitivity uh, and the stigma, as we mentioned, of, of mental health challenges. And I always uh, feel like I should... Uh, come forward myself, and, and I, I do, uh, in the interest of full disclosure, have issues of anxiety, and a, a lot of people, when they hear that, they raise their eyebrows, and they, they think, well, how can you be holding this microphone right now? How can you be talking in front of this large group? Well, this microphone is my security, and, and these folks have my back, and, and I have a little protection here. <laughs> but if you ask me to come into a group with all of you at a social hour, uh, I would start to feel all of you closing in on me a little bit. I would uh, start to, to perspire. I would feel very uneasy. Uh, and uh, this is something that I, when we first started these discussions, I wanted to bring to the forefront just to let people know that this can happen to anybody. And it's just, you know, I, I'm not a doctor, but I know it has something to do with blood chemistry and some other things. And um, so just wanted to set that uh, uh straight on the record before we begin. Uh, Dr. George, I, I'm going to rely on you right now as, as our you know, rookie co-host uh, to bring us the first question. Thanks, Scott. And you know, I appreciate your willingness to just be so open and vulnerable and transparent because that's what's needed for us to be able to talk about our experiences. 
Two quick things before we uh, get to the question. One, Sal, I love your socks. Thank you. Uh, I'm just uh, like, I'm going to improve my sock game for the next one. I got you. Uh, uh, two, uh, you know, as we're up here, we're going to talk about college uh, students, college athletes. I wanted, you know, to just, we've already mentioned a few. We, we got LaSalle. You said Holy Family, Drexel. I have to honor, you know, my own Villanova. I'm sorry. I have to just shout out Nova. But I've spent some time at Temple for school, at Drexel for school. It Immaculata. So just the, this region is so rich with college students. And so I think this topic is so important. And so to you, Coach Dunphy, I wanted to bring our first question. Uh, one of the biggest challenges that college students have uh, is that they're usually away from home, right? Whether it's around the corner, a short uh, distance, or whether it's a long way, like maybe a flight or many hours. And so what have been uh, some successful ways in which students, that you've been able to help students deal with the distance and separation from being away from home, especially, you know, some of your athletes that they're spending the time with you and maybe not around their family? Well, I think uh, there's a lot of lessons to be learned out there, Doctor. Uh, one of the th statements that we all make these days is it's okay to not be okay. Yeah. It's okay to be, and, and that, you just mentioned the word vulnerability, and yeah. there's such great leadership in vulnerability. If you can express that, then we're much further ahead of the game. But I think for a lot of these young guys that I get a chance to coach now, they're so much further ahead than where I was when I was their age. I, I knew nothing about anything. And, but they have a really good sense. They've done a lot of traveling. They've done a lot of AAU basketball, and they've been all over the place. Uh, we never had that opportunity back when I was a kid. So going away to school was different in those days. Now, that doesn't mean that some kids aren't struggling with it. And I think one of the things that helps what we talked about before is being the best teammate you can be. So we may room a freshman with a senior or somebody who's from the same high school or from the same city or has a lot of other things in common, same major. All those things you take into consideration, all of that, like the goings-on that these kids are uh, having struggles with. But it's constant repetition and talking to them and making sure that they know it's okay to not be as comfortable as you think you should be. Uh, but that's all part of the learning pro process, and, and we, we want them to be successful in everything that they do. And it's a great, great challenge. But I think uh, when we work at it, when we, we tell them that it's, again, okay to not be okay, they're going to be just fine. It's going to take a little bit of time, but they're going to be just fine. And encourage them if they don't live too far to go home on a given weekend, that's okay. Uh, and so there's lots of things that go on with this, but just putting your arm around them uh, to touch them is really the, the right thing to do as much as we can. But again, we have lots of helps at the college level. I got a great staff that can help me with this and they may not be as comfortable with me as they are with one of our assistant coaches. Well, then let's have that person be there in, in charge of them for, for example. So lots of things like that go on. Awesome. Thanks coach. And, and Sal building off, the answer there that uh, Dunf gave us, uh, how important is it for, uh, and not even maybe a, f a first year college student, maybe someone who's already had a year of experience, uh, to have a support group in place when they leave home. Now, I go back to the dark ages where when I was in college, there was one public phone, Dunf is going to relate to this, I think, we're about the same age, uh, one, one uh, public uh, phone at the end of the hallway of your dorm 
and, and you had to share it with uh, 40 other people. Now everybody has cell phones, so you have access to your parents. But how important, uh, Sal, is it not only to, to have a support group at home, but also to have maybe a valued professor or a support group uh, at the school you're going to? Uh, first of all, I'm, I need to say that I'm very surprised that most of my department is actually in the back of the room, so I'm very fortunate to have a support system like that. They surprised me by by showing up, but as far as the support system, I mean, I'm Italian, I got a guy for everything. So you gotta, you, you, you have to have those trusted people in your life. Family can be tricky sometimes. Uh, I know uh, sometimes uh, with recent struggles that I would be dealing with, uh, family may not have been the first person uh, or first people that I would have, have reached out to, but having that support team is vital of people that, uh, that you can go to, that you can talk to, that Coach already said, you can be vulnerable and let those walls down. It, it's, it's important that you're able to take that first step to be vulnerable and show your emotions, uh, but also not give any empty words. Uh, you know, talk about what you're going through is important. And, and a lot of times when I do that, I, feel, I just feel so much better for, for, I don't want to use the word dumping, but just, just saying everything that was on my mind and, and what I'm dealing with. Uh, but again, it wasn't until I was dealing uh, with my own struggles and talking to people that may have been through similar situations that I have, it, it helped me realize how important it was to have those people uh, in place. Now, after I spoke to those people, it was much easier than to talk to my family uh, about anything. But I had to take that first step outside of my family before I, I started talking to uh, those closest to me. Thanks, Sal. We'd like to welcome our new arrivals, and we do have some seats up here near the front. So uh, come on up and, and join us. Don't be shy. Uh, and uh, if you didn't know it, this is a conversation about uh, striking out the stigma of uh, some mental health challenges that you may or may not have. And we encourage you, if you have a question during this time, to please raise your hand. There, that sure has your name on it. Very good. Dr. George, take it away. Uh, first of all, Scott, I just love seeing everybody here in the audience. I just want to, everybody, just give yourself a round of applause. You, just, you all look great, right? Uh, it's, just, it's just amazing, you know, I think about the work that I do to talk about mental health and to see so many people show up to be here for this conversation. So this next question is for you, Kristen. Uh, you know, so many young students uh, in college right now are struggling. Sometimes they don't know where to start or what to do. And even as we've talked about anxiety, the thing about anxiety is that it's crippling. It makes you feel like you can't do it or you shouldn't do it. So what advice would you give to current students about talking about mental health challenges that they may have or where they can start uh, to maybe to be able to get the support that they need? Yeah, so that's a really great question. Um, being, I, I graduated from Penn State, so I'm a Penn State alum, and I know through my college experience and speaking to kids in schools, you know, I've you know spoken at Temple, you know, speaking at UPenn, like talking to these kids, um, they say what their schedule looks like is they wake up, they maybe eat some breakfast, they go to class. They go back to their dorm, they take a nap, they do homework or they do a paper, they go to class, they eat dinner, they go to class and then they go to bed. And like, that's the schedule. And I always say to them like, where is the time for you? Like, where is that five minutes? It can only be five minutes where like they're sitting down and they're writing in a journal, they're drawing, they're painting, they're doing something that's like a creative outlet to get those, uh, 
get that stress out of their body. And, you know, sometimes if there is not that time that's embedded, like all of the academics will crumble because of that stress. Like the anxiety, the stress, the depression will make itself known in a number of ways and it will affect us uh, probably with our academics and our friendships first. So my main thing is like there is a counseling office in most, if not all, universities and colleges out there. And being able to just set up an appointment and just say, hey, I don't wanna be here right now. And I don't know what to do, but I'm gonna sit here for like the hour or the 45 minutes and just tell you how stressed I am. It gives somebody, that person, the opportunity to be heard and to be able to have that school counselor or that university counselor on that person's radar. Um, Like, okay, this is somebody that I know that I need to speak to. Um, One more thing that I wanna say is being able to have some sort of professor like it might not be the counselor that we connect to. It can, for me, it was um, my photography professor. You know, I would sit with her after class and talk to her about, at the time, it was like relationship struggles. And, and she was by no means a therapist, but, you know, she helped me utilize like the photography skills into what I was struggling with to like get an A on my assignment and also get some of those feelings out. So it's a great question. I love that. That's awesome. Chris, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you to share your personal story about how you became involved with Minding Your Mind. It's not one of the questions that I had here, uh, but I know that uh, that's your passion right now is to share your personal story. Yeah, I would be more than happy to be able to share with you guys a little bit about myself. Um, So... I by no means thought that I would be in a position where I would be like sitting or standing in front of either a classroom or an auditorium of like 1,500 students. Um, That was by no means my goal or something that I thought would be like a career choice of mine because I also am a person with anxiety. Um, But the reason why I got involved with Minding Your Mind and the reason why I share my story is because for the majority of my life, I felt like that nobody understood the things that I thought and felt and the things that I had been through as a young girl. Um, My mother struggled with substance use. She struggled with anorexia. I grew up in Glen Mills. Uh, My father worked a lot and he wasn't as present as I know that he wished that he could have been. Um, Had two older brothers and I was the classic parentified child. Um, I would come home from school every single day and make sure that my mother was fed. She was bathed. I did my homework. I, you know, studied up on the things that I needed to study up on. I would get fed and I would go to bed. And when I remember going into school each and every day, like I would say to myself, nobody can understand or know what I'm going through because they will look at me like I'm different. Being with Minding Your Mind, I've learned very quickly that there is always one kid, no matter where I go, there's always one kid that comes up to me and says, I feel heard, I feel seen, you and I have the same story. And like when I was 11, I lost my mother by suicide. Um, And we did not talk about it for a handful of years because of that stigma. So being able to not just share my light as a person who was also in recovery, um, we celebrated eight years clean on February 10th, which is exciting. (laughs) Awesome. But you know, like the hope is, is that, you know, I do love my life today. I have a partner and two dogs and I live in Maniunk and we live in a home together and, you know, I'm in therapy and I go to support, you know, I therapy today. It's like, you know, right before this. So, 
you know, it's, uh, you know, being able to show kids that um, it's okay to be vulnerable, but being vulnerable all starts with one conversation with one person. Um, and the consistency is really important. So that's just a little bit about my story. Thank you for sharing your personal story. Yeah. Really appreciate it. Uh, Dr. George, you are the co-host, but you are also here to answer questions. And I have one for you. And, and I'm sure some of the parents here today will be uh, very interested in, in hearing the answer to this question because at some point we say goodbye to our babies. You, were, you and I were just having a discussion before we came into this about you have children 10 and 12 and already your wife is saying, I don't think I'm going to be able to let them go to college. Uh, what advice do you have to the parents here uh, who are wondering, how am I going to send my babies away to school? Yeah, uh, well, first, thank you so much for sharing that. And, uh, you know, I think about for me, I'm really big on purpose, right? So the thought of like purpose comes in lots of different ways, but sometimes even our challenging moments can line us up for the thing that we're supposed to do. So I love this moment right here, right now, because I feel this is a part of my purpose and this is a part of your purpose. And when I think about my own family, yeah, you know, I have a 10 and 12 year old, as, as Scott mentioned, and for the parents out there, my advice always is to be the first source of information. Uh, there's so much that our children go through at different stages, and they will seek out answers. You know that thing called YouTube and TikTok? They will seek out those answers in those places or their friends. And I'm just, show of hands, how many people got bad advice from friends before? <laughs> right? <laughs> right? And so I've gotten bad advice from friends. And so as parents, sometimes we forget that the friends of our kids don't know anything. And they will tell them a whole bunch of different things. So the mo as much as possible, if you can be connected to your kids, as you can be supportive to them and be the first source. The, part, the other part of that is sometimes you can't be. You're working, you're busy, you're doing other things. To make sure, as Sal says, that you have a someone, a guy, a woman, that is the second source that you trust, that is in that community, that they can be the sounding board when you're not there. Right. That sometimes is, is the coach, is the auntie, the uncle, the, the, neighbor, the neighborhood person that can be there for you when you're not there. So that when your kids go off to college and they're struggling or dealing with something, they might not call you, but maybe they'll call their coach or their auntie or their friend or someone that you also trust. So that way it's not just the random friend telling them something that is not the best information. We've had some great discussion points already, and we just want to remind everybody uh, that we'd like this to be an interactive discussion. So if you have a question, something you may have heard and has, has led you to, uh, to ask for further clarification or maybe to go in a little bit of a different direction, please go ahead and, and raise your hand, uh, and we will get a microphone over to you. And if not, there may be uh, something that we say here in the next few minutes that arouses your curiosity. And anybody want to... Uh, go ahead and um, show their vulnerability. We have someone right here. Uh, what, TJ, why don't you take the microphone over to you? Thanks, Kristen. First of all, I just want to thank the Phillies for doing this. That's amazing. Um, on a personal note, I lost my 22-year-old son to suicide while away at college. So that was the reason I wanted to be here tonight. Um, after his death, um, a friend of his shared an essay he wrote in college where he actually shared that his depression was worsening. He couldn't get out of bed some days. He was missing class. His grades were slipping. 
he said, you know, being away at college, he was on a different schedule than in high school, and he was forgetting his medicine and all this, that, and the other thing. And one of the things I suggested to the college was that why don't you have a referral system in place where if you identify a kid with issues, you can just refer them over. And they said, oh, we do. So he was missed, and, and even though they had a system in place, but I just want to emphasize the importance to teachers and to counselors that not only listening to what they say, but looking at what they write. Um, one of his friends is a teacher in high school now, and he's identified two kids, one with writing on their arm and one through a journal where they wrote something that was concerning and got them into treatment. So um, just want to bring that up, the importance of looking at what they're writing and not only what they're doing. Um, on a good note, I used to go to Phillies games with him, and now I can't. I go with his good friends from college and high school. I'm being invited to their weddings, bridal showers. So there's, there's a positive um, that's come out of it. So. First of all, thank you very much for sharing a very personal story, uh, and uh, we are so sorry for your loss. Coach, you were mentioning that you have people on board uh, at LaSalle. And this is something that has changed, hasn't it, to, to try to recognize if it's not an athlete, maybe it's an athlete who knows somebody. Well, we do, and, and LaSalle is um, very much like so many other schools in the area that, that this is a real issue, and everybody's paying attention to it. And, and I think uh, it, I'm so grateful that I can pick up the phone and just call our office and say, but there's that confidentiality that we're always worried about, too. And, and we protect that in every way. And I'm grateful for, for uh, our team at LaSalle being here tonight. I just I want to share one story. And it's, it's similar to yours. And uh, it, 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 not on a personal note, but it, it got to be personal. And uh, if, if I can, I'm going to try to give you the cliff notes because it's important to hear your, your guys' opinion. Uh, opinions and thoughts. I went to a, a college practice a couple of years ago, three years ago. My buddy Joe Mihalik was at Hofstra. He were playing at Drexel. I go to the practice, and uh, at the end of the practice, I say to Joe, who's your best leader? And he said, of course, it's this young man, Deshure Bowie. I want you to meet him. Deshure runs over. He spends all of 45 seconds with me. He's, he's busy making shots. He doesn't want to talk to me that much, and I, I understood that totally. He walked away, and I said to Joe, he seems like a terrific young man. And Joe said, wait till I tell you this story. Six weeks before that, they had had a uh, health and wellness expert come in and talk to, the, to, the, to the, all the athletes at Hofstra, all the coaches, and much of the administration. And they, uh, they start the lecture. There's a 400-person lecture hall all over the place, students and, and coaches. The guy starts his lecture. Toward the end, he says, all right, now we're really going to get serious. Has anybody thought about something foolish like taking your, your own life? And, and uh, this young man courageously over on this side of the room raises his hand and says, yes, I, 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 was, I was in a little bit of trouble here, and I really was struggling. And as a matter of fact, I still struggle every day with it. That being said, this sure buoy is all the way on this side of the room. He walks all the way down to the front, all the way across the stage, all the way up to face this kid like I'm looking at you. Probably looked at him for three seconds, seems like three minutes. He then proceeds to give him the biggest hug you ever saw. So I'm, I'm already emotional thinking about this. And then the presenter says, oh, you two guys know each other. And Deshure turns around and says, no, we've never met, but we're going to be friends from now on. 
I said, who, who are you people? How, how, did the, how do you get this kind of empathy? And then uh, 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 two months after that, I, Joe Mihalik has this kid on FaceTime, and, I, and they're having a conversation. And I'm with Joe, and I jump in there. I said, listen, give me that phone. I said, Deshure, you're like one of my heroes. I, I can't believe how empathetic you were and the, the help that you gave to that young man who courageously raised his hand. He said, Coach, you know what? I saw that guy six, seven, eight times during the course of the previous five months, and I should have stopped him and asked him how he was doing. I said, the empathy that you have is so admirable and something that we all need to pay attention to. And that's what I got to, was to saying before. You can see it. You can see people who are struggling. And when the friends that they have and the relationships that they have can jump in there and help, it, it is so important to all of us. But again, the empathy that uh, my guess is all of us in this room today have for those kinds of situations. And again, appreciate your relating your story. It's awesome that you would do that. And, uh, but Deshure Bowie, here's a 22-year-old kid who's my hero. Uh, because he's way smarter than I could ever be and m way more alert and feeling of the situation. And we have that chance to do it. It's out there. Just pay attention to those signs that are out there. Coach, thanks for sharing. Uh, another very meaningful story. Uh, Dr. George, you have a question for my friend Sal. Yeah, sure, sure do. And, uh, you know, I, I'm just touched by the thought of, like, courage, right, that it does take a little bit of courage and vulnerability to just reach out to somebody and just ask them, how are you doing? Are you all right? Are you good? Uh, so this question is for you, Sal. Uh, Work-life balance, or rather uh, school social life balance, is something that students may struggle with than just in the college life. Uh, what are some keys uh, to making sure that a healthy school life balance is continually present in their life? So I'm, I'm what, known, what is known as a strategic or calculated person. I, when I make a decision, I probably run it through my head numerous times. I'm, I'm big on the list and crossing those things off and having a sense of accomplishment uh, from, from that. Uh, but it goes back to taking time for yourself as well. Um, even though I get a sense of accomplishment and, and my day may be busy and the season is, is taxing, um, sometimes it's okay to be selfish. And you don't have to do everything. It's okay to say no to people, which for me in a Catholic Italian family, having that guilt is it, hard for me. Um, but sometimes you have to have those boundaries because you need to take uh, time for yourself to make sure that you're feeling okay. The one thing also that I learned though, it's not just making sure that you're taking care of your mental health, you need to take care of your physical health as well. You need to get out of the house and exercise and do something for yourself. First thing in the morning works great for me, it might work different for other people, but you need to make sure that you're taking care of your mental and physical health simultaneously. Just want to bounce uh, something else uh, off of what you're saying, Sal. And this came from a colleague of yours at Mind in Your Mind in one of our previous discussions uh, with making sure that you schedule some selfish time. Mm -hmm. And he said that he is, he is such a goal-driven person. He has everything in his day scheduled that he has to program what he called silly time. You probably know the, this. Uh, the emergency joys, right? Yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. And, and for him, it meant putting on the Three Stooges and just laughing his posterior off or, or putting on his favorite music and just dancing, you know, with himself. 
uh, and just having fun. I was waiting for you to say all night long. I mean, yeah, all night long. It was right there. Thank you, Lionel. Uh, Just to have some fun. To uh, to just schedule some me time. I think that's a great point, Sal. Thanks uh, for sharing it. Uh, Dump, our next question comes from one of our guests who submitted this question ahead of time. It has to do with our mental wellness, obviously, specifically about being a perfectionist, something coaches, I'm sure, deal with all the time with their players. It reads, sometimes I feel like I am my biggest critic. What can I do to help erase my self-criticism? Well, that, that takes a lot of confidence by that person to, to admit that he needs a little bit of help. That's okay. That's okay to say that to yourself. Um, I, I think th- there's another part to this, and you just mentioned the word balance, and, and there's a balance that we all have assignments. We all have tasks to perform, uh, and we just can't leave everything alone. We need to fulfill those, those assignments. And, and for, for me as a, as a head basketball coach, we need to – there's certain pressures to win. What have you done for me lately is sort of sort of uh, in there. And uh, so, again, we're, we're going back to these kids all the time and talking to them and, and uh, making sure that they understand that there's there's a, a level of, of success that we all have to have. And uh, but it, you have to tell it in the right way to tell the story in the right way. So. Uh, but it's stuff we work at every single day. And, and again, everybody on campus is alert to all of these things. Uh, there, there may be a kid. I've been blessed to have a lot of opportunities to be in the classroom too. And if I see somebody missing a class, then I'm, my antenna goes up. They see him missing two classes. I'm calling that person up, saying, "Hey, we need to talk a little bit because we're not as good a class when you're not there." Mm-hmm. I need to give them that confidence that says, "You are somebody. You have value. We all have value." And uh, that's important for me that to get that point across. But we are perfectionists. We want things done the right way. Uh, but that's the time when you're, you're critical of somebody, bring them to the side, have a private conversation, say, listen, here's how I think we can do this a little bit better. Help me out. You're way, way better served than I ever was as a kid. I need, I need you to help me. Dr. George, you have another uh, opportunity here as our co-host. Yes. Take it away. Once again, you know, I feel like I'm just enjoying the moment, right? I'm just here. So, uh, Kristen, this is for you. Um, you know, many students sometimes might share different things, and we actually have someone that wrote in and said, I'm afraid that my problems are not big enough to bother my friends or guidance counselors. What should I do? I feel like, I just feel like others have problems that are much worse. You know, when people start to compare themselves to other people, and then they kind of repeat in their head, they ruminate about this stuff, and then they get stuck. And so what would you say to that person who wrote in about that question? So that's a really good question. Um, I actually get asked that question often. Uh, like, well, my problems are nowhere near as big as X, Y, and Z's, or nowhere near as big as what you've been through. And I, I never do this. I never cut people off, but I always cut them off. And I'm like, no. Because the thing is, pain cannot be gauged. I mean, like, if somebody came up to me and they said, I'm really stressed out with school right now. And like, I have two loving parents. I have wonderful siblings. I have all of my needs met, all of my wants met. And I still feel depressed or I still feel anxious or I still feel like I can't keep up with the pressures of life. I treat that as the same pain as my mother dying because we have no idea how much that actually affects their life. And also, um, you know, mental illness in general is not a flaw of character. It's a flaw of chemistry. 
So you could have everything going on right in your life and still struggle with depression, anxiety, etc. Um, but I always say that the comparison game is a lose-lose situation because you are not getting the help that you need. And that person that you are comparing it to, you actually don't really know how much or how little that does affect them. Um, you know, I know for me, like, little problems can turn into big problems if I ignore them too. So, you know, just addressing it at the root and being like, hey, I'm having a hard time with, like, what I like to call, like, my trusted adults. Because, like, I'm an adult, um, but I need trusted adults. Because, like, these are the people that I, that are, like, up to date with my life. Um, it's, it's always better just to address it right as soon as I notice that it's starting to bother me, whatever that problem is. No, that's great. And it just reminds me of that, the, the thought around trauma, right? We all experience, you know, if you have experienced trauma, it's not different from somebody who's experienced some other trauma. It's really the pain that you feel that you're talking about. So I love that you highlighted that. Yeah, thanks, folks. Uh, we all have an issue with, with time, and that, that's uh, the time that we have together this evening. So I don't want to let it slip away without giving uh, someone here an opportunity to ask another question. We have, oh, great. Thank you so much. We have some folks uh, back here, uh, TJ, right in the same area. Yeah, so I just want to thank you guys again for uh, putting this on. It's awesome. Um, so Dr. George actually is, me and him have worked together in the past, and uh, he's familiar with, with this story. But um, so about this time last year, I actually lost a cousin to suicide as a result of you know, not getting into the college he wanted to get into. Um, so this question is uh, for Kristen and for Coach Dunphy. Um, you know, obviously you don't have all the answers for people navigating you know, their college search, but um, what pieces of advice have you given to players you've worked with or uh, students you've spoken to at high schools about navigating, you know, the college admission process and, you know, anything that might have, you might have seen that has helped them? Duff, why don't you lead off? Uh, we get kids coming to, to LaSalle and when I was at Temple and when I was at Penn and all of those things are, the, that's a recruiting process and just hoping that uh, that they follow their heart, to be honest with you. It, it, there's a feel that that takes place in going to the school that, that you think you should go to. Uh, you can have a great uh, computerized list of pros and cons, and I think you can throw those right in the, in the wastebasket. I think you can just follow your heart. There's a feel that you have. This, this school looks like it's for me. And, and I urge young people to do that. I, I actually had uh, a number of kids tell me how good they felt about our program. And I said, do me a favor, though, before, and I appreciate that. But just have some comparisons as well. Go somewhere else and make sure that you're, you're doing your due diligence by seeing different kinds of institutions. But I'm grateful the fact that you like maybe going to the school where I am. But uh, I want you to, to really look hard and fast at, at other uh, aspects of what's going to make you happy. But following your heart, I think, is a critical piece to this. Kristen, I, I, you know, how, how do you reach out to, to somebody who believes that a college that they're going to attend is a, literally a life and death decision? How does it come back to trying to find those, those warning signs? Yeah, so I want to thank you so much for um, sharing your your recent loss and just like the bravery it takes to say that in front of like a hundred plus people. Um, 
You know, I, I'll just like share a quick story. Uh, recently, within like the past like six months, eight months, I remember speaking at uh, Downingtown STEM Academy. And if anybody knows Downingtown STEM, it's like very, very academic, very, very like 4.0 plus GPA. And, um, and the pressure there is wild. And I remember speaking to one of the kids and the kid was sharing with me that their parents really wanted them to get into Penn because they were Penn alum and they were just like striving to only get into Penn and any other school was like not an option. And I was thinking to myself, like what would have happened if that kid did not get into Penn? And I remember my dad, um, who's right there, hi dad. Um, I remember my dad saying to me, um, whether he remembers it or not, he said to me, it doesn't matter what college you go to, I'm just grateful that like, you're even like, wanting to go to college. Um, I'm just grateful that you're like, making steps to like, improve your life. And at that point in my life, like, I was at a recovery high school, the Bridgeway School, and like, I graduated, and I didn't even think that I'd be able to graduate high school, let alone do it sober, let alone do it at a recovery high school. So when it was time to apply to college, knowing that my father had my back no matter what school I got into, he just wanted me to be happy. When I got accepted into Penn State, I went to Penn State Brandywine, and it was one of the best decisions I could have ever made because I was close to home, I had the support that I needed, but also my dad and like the people that are important to me were not going to be disappointed in me. You know, like my worth is not attached to the, the school that I go to. I'm proud of being a Penn State alum, but like I'm Kristen Heratunian and I'm like amazing. You know what I mean? So. <laughs> I just, I just want to say that. <laughs> and you are. TJ, you got another question back there? Thank uh, you all, by the way, for your great questions. Um, this one's kind of for Kristen. I've been, like, thinking about what you said earlier. Um, I'm currently a freshman at UPenn, and this week and next week, uh, finals, and I can tell you it's not going too hot. Um, but I guess my question to you is about, like, um, imposter syndrome. I feel like when I got into Penn, a lot of people were like, oh, like, you know, you got into Penn, like, you belong there. But I also feel like, you know, like, talking to other people, I'm just like, do I really belong here? Cause I'm, like, looking at my grades, I'm like, something here isn't really, like, matching up. So I guess, like, that's my question to you. And also, like, to coach, um, I also played, like, sports in high school, and I feel like I kind of experienced, like, imposter syndrome through that, like, always feel like I wasn't really as good as people were telling me I, I was and like you know practicing like kind of just struggling just being in the moment and like being in the practice thank you for your question doctor could you explain the syndrome that she's talking about now, I don't know what it is and there may be some others who don't as well <laughs> uh, thank you so much so imposter syndrome we've all probably experienced it at some point or another where we're telling ourselves in our mind that we are not good enough or as good as somebody else. Mm -hmm. It happens a lot with social media. It happens a lot in other places. Mm -hmm. In sports, you see all these other people that they're a great athlete, but I'm an okay athlete. And so if I'm on the same team with them, they must be better, and we can really kind of psych ourselves out. Thank you. Kristen? Yeah, so um, I would say specifically addressing like just the fact that finals are happening soon or now when you're here is just great. Um, your priorities, like you care about your mental health. You know what I mean? Like I'm very proud of you for being here and like taking that time for you. Um, I also struggle with imposter syndrome. Um, being a professional public speaker, standing on stages, like I don't think the kids or adults realize how anxious I am and how much I can psych myself out and being like, nobody's going to get anything out of what I have to say. I don't belong here. And like, it's really important 
in those moments where like I call somebody if I have the time and tell them exactly how I'm feeling because most of the time I'm just telling myself that I'm not good enough because I'm afraid to fail. I'm afraid that if I end up saying, oh, I'm not good at this, so I'm not even going to do it, that like I know the, I know the outcome. But if it's scary to think like maybe I can do this and like, oh my gosh, what if I do fail? Like, I don't know if that makes sense, but being able to air those thoughts out to a friend or a family member that I trust, they can sort of show me the mirror that like you got accepted in the pen for a reason. You know what I mean? And you just said that, like people say that to you and you're like, whatever. Um, but I just want to reiterate that. I really see it as like a day at a time, an assignment at a time, a question at a time process that like you will get your footing, but this is just new. Anything new is hard. Like, I don't know about you guys, but like it's very hard to like be put in a new environment, be challenged in different ways. I call them growing pains. Um, so you're just going through some growing pains is what I see. But I'm very, very, very proud of you for, for sharing that. So thank you. I hope that helps. Uh Coach, I'm going to move, move on here, and uh, we're going to get back to you in a moment. But, Sal, in your time as a professor, uh, there's been a question here about efforts to create a safe speaking environment uh, with your students when it comes to mental health. Uh, how, how do you do that? And if a student doesn't feel safe in a classroom, can they come to a professor and say, I, I need a little help here? Coach has already alluded to this. You know, you miss one class, your antenna's up. Second class, we're having a conversation. But that conversation has to start possibly on the first day of class, ex explaining to them, listen, we're, we're here for you. We're here to teach. We're here to be your mentor. But we're also here to help guide young adults uh, that may be going through it um, during that time. Students can be scared at times, especially, I mean, I went from uh, Archbishop Ryan High School with 600 people in my class to Holy Family where I had six people in my class. It's, it's, it's definitely a change of environment, it's a change of pace. Students can be scared, they're reluctant to ask questions and stating on the very first day and being engaged with your students or even your coworkers or those employees that uh, work for you. My employees have seen me at my high and, and at my low and they know that if they have an issue or if they're going through it at that time, they can come to me anytime, any time of day, whether the team's home or on the road. But we're there to guide young adults, possibly through a very difficult and changing uh, event in, in their life. You don't know what they're going through outside of class. Uh, whether they're dealing with personal issues, relationship issues, family issues, substance issues. You have no idea what's going on outside of those four walls, and it's our job to be there for them when they need your help. Mm -hmm. yeah. Thank you, Sal. Dr. George? So, uh, Coach Umphany, I think you've already shared a little bit of this, but I would love to hear even more. Who's, who is a role model that you have looked up to throughout your life uh, when it comes to healthy lifestyles and promoting mental health awareness? Mm -hmm. Well, I think for all of us, our families are our number one role models. I had two parents that were just awesome human beings, and they taught us how to get along with other people and be kind and considerate and respectful. So always that. But your teachers, uh, you know, in grade school and in high school and in college, your teammates, uh, again, I can't emphasize enough. And the reality is, yeah, I coach a team. Leonard Stewart up here, he coaches a team, but we're all on teams. We all, our family is a team. There's a leader, there's some followers, and that we all have a role, and perform your role. Uh, and I, so I, I think that's as, as important a lesson as we've all learned 
over the years. And the other thing is that I would say that here I am, I'm in my 70s, and I'm still learning every single day. I'm still trying to get better every single day. I don't have all the answers, and, and I, I'm trying to give uh, my team, my, my guys on my team, tell me what you want to run for a play. I don't care what the, what the play is. I care how it's run, but I don't care what it is. I want good ideas from you, and I'm pretty selfish that way. I want to hear their stories. I want to hear what their thoughts are. I love how you, you said earlier about know your assignment and then now you back it up by knowing your role. And if we probably did that in our life, we'd probably be really successful because a lot of us don't follow our assignments. Kristen, life is about transitions. We transfer from one part of our life to another part. On the phone with my grandson the other day out in Denver. Uh, Pop, I'm a, I'm, I'm a, I love fourth grade. Fifth grade's my last year at Aspire School and I'm a little worried about going to middle school. Well, there's going to be transitions throughout his life as there's transitions in all of our lives. What advice would you give to high school seniors who are about to go into a college environment that are anxious about it, or maybe even someone in college is thinking about transferring to another school, but anxious, should I really make the move? All kind of different, but I would imagine there's kind of one thing that is good for everybody in that area. That's a great question. I, I think... You know, at least like speaking from my own experience, going into college um, as newly in recovery, uh, which is like a whole other ball game um, because like, you know, it's college and, uh, you know, learning how to like live the life that I was living with therapy and 12 step and my family support. I was very scared to go to college, mainly because I didn't think that anybody would be able to understand, again, like my old uh, lines that I would say to myself when I was a kid, that nobody understands, nobody will get it. And what actually helped me was when I was looking at universities or when I was looking at colleges, being a person that's in recovery, I looked, one of like my, my priorities was collegiate recovery. Um, being able to know if there is a community of people that are in recovery at that school, which those exist on most major campuses. The other piece that was really important to me was, do they have proper mental health support in place? Is it okay that if I'm in my sophomore year of college that I might need to take a medical leave for my mental health? Like, will the school be okay with that? Um, will it be okay if, are my professors gonna be understanding of my mental health struggles and like what I go through on the day-to-day, week-to-week basis? And, um, you know, it was a good fit for me being able to be at this college, um, to be able to be a Penn State graduate, but, you know, being able to give ourselves grace. Um, it's okay if we wake up one day and we're like, I really dislike this. Um, because we do have a choice um, in, in what help we receive. And also, do we need to take that medical leave? Do we need to transfer? Because um, like breaks are allowed. So I, I just giving yourself some, some grace to make mistakes. Yeah, we, we're so hard on ourselves. As, as, oh, as I'm still say. horribly hard on I myself. Think we, we all are at times. We have just enough time, speaking about time, for a final question for our entire panel. And it can be actually um, doubling up as a call to action. How can we as a community spread awareness of the importance of mental health for college students? And we're going to start with you again here, Kristen. Okay. Um, <laughs> I would say... The best thing that we can do is to just be honest with one another. I mean, it's so easy to put up the face and put up the mask that everything is so wonderful and great and perfect, especially on social media. But 
you know, like wholeheartedly, like two days ago, I was not having a good day. You know, I like laid in bed. I didn't want to work. I didn't want to talk about it. And like today is much different. Um, Every day looks completely different for every single individual. And like it was talked about that, you know, we don't know what other people go through. And sometimes people are going through tremendous difficulties. And when I'm in a place where I can give, I will give. Um, and I hope that somebody would extend that same grace to me. Very good. Coach Duffy? We stand around in the, at the, the circle after, after practice, the center circle, and just kind of talk about the day. And, uh, and I, I ask them for their stories every day. And some guys are pretty good. They'll step up. There are other guys that won't. And there are other guys that will get you afterwards and say, Coach, I wanted to say this, but I didn't want to say it in front of the team. So, again, I, I think as a leader, oftentimes I need to be the most vulnerable guy in the room so that I can show to them it's okay to be talking about something that might have been taboo at, at some other time in my life. But now I'm confident enough, I'm secure enough, I still make a ton of mistakes every day, but it's okay to put your stuff out there. Put your stuff out there. It, it, it may get some criticism, but it's important for you to let people know how you feel and how you feel about them. And if you feel good about your team, well, tell them so. And if they feel good about you, hopefully they will be encouraged to do the same. Hopefully, exactly. Sal? So, we, we talked a lot about normalizing uh, the conversation about mental health and we're seeing athletes that are stepping away from the game for a short period of time uh, just to take a break. I've been fortunate enough uh, to have some great female role models in my, in my life. And uh, one of those role models uh, taught me that it's okay to cry. Mm-hmm. And it's something that I've struggled with for years, but you feel so much better when you just get everything out of you. And trust me, a year ago, six months ago, Sal it would not have said that. And I've just, I've just learned that uh, over time. You just feel so much better uh, when you're able to get everything out of you. Thank you, Sal. Dr. George, let's round it out with you. You know, I'm, I'm thinking about my, my children right now. And uh, we just recently saw a Broadway play and they're like singing the songs, right? We saw Wicked, and they're like singing the songs. They're just enjoying the moment, the first thing they're doing. And I think sometimes we just don't take the time to enjoy the moment, right? We mm-hmm. don't take the time to like just live in the space, whether it's a good day or a day that just sucks. Yeah. And sometimes if we can just be in the moment, share with others, be vulnerable, use our community or our tribe, we can realize like, I can make it through this moment and I can get to the next moment. And before you know it, you can get called up to the majors like me. You could be like on the spotlight. You just never know. The day is coming. So I think just live in your moment and enjoy it as much as possible. All great advice. Uh, I'd like to thank our panel for, uh, for being here and sharing their very personal stories. I'd also like to very much thank each and every one of you who dedicated some time out of your day to be here today uh, and make this uh, first installment of this season, Strike Out the Stigma, a complete sellout. So, again, please give yourselves a hand. And our personal thank you from the Phillies organization to all of you. This is technically our, our ending time, but TJ, there were a couple of people that had their hands up. I don't want to leave without giving them a chance. Can they come up? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So we're going to – we're gonna. Sal, can you stick around for a little bit? And, and Kristen? 
Don and, and Dr. George, thank you. So if anybody has another question or would like to come up and just talk with, with this great panel, uh, please come on up right now. Otherwise, we'll end this session like we always do in these events with a hearty Go Phils! Yeah.